There he stood, between us and the alley. Scott Farkas staring out at us with his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow eyes. This crummy little toady, mean, rotten, his lips curled over his green teeth. Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. You were either a bully, a toady, or one of the nameless rabble of victims. All right. Who's next? Let's see. Holy Spirit asks that you would be here. Use the words from your scripture, the good news of Christmas, to remind us that you are mighty to save us from whatever it is that is bullying us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So given that film clip, let me ask the obvious sermon question, what's your Scott Farkas? What is that problem that seems intimidating? Or to draw on the scripture that we read this morning, what's your Goliath? That thing that just seems insurmountable in your life. Is it that addiction that you can't overcome, that job that seems dead in, that marriage problem that seems unsolvable, your finances. If Christmas means anything, it means that God himself has invaded this planet, invaded our lives in the person of Jesus to defeat whatever giants that, that we are facing. And I think, you know, as we know, we're going through scripture uh, chronologically this year, and we've arrived at this very familiar story about David and Goliath. And what it does is it gives us a battle plan for how to kill a giant. And even if you don't have a giant in your personal life right now, maybe everything is just going great. You've got no problems at all. But maybe you're longing for more of an adventure in life. I think that this story speaks to that as well. Because you know what? There are a lot of giants out there in our world. Poverty, loneliness, kids without adults in their lives. And the good news this story says is that we can be part of this amazing adventure of partnering with God in beating back all the giants that are out there. In fact, I think one of the reasons that God uses David to kill Goliath rather than doing it himself is he wanted to give David a really cool day. Like, this is a cool day, right? If you're a teenager, David's brought 19 years old. This is a really cool day for David. I mean, goes home, Mom, Dad, guess what? Killed a giant today. You know, that's nice, dear. Go clean your room. Right? He wants to give us an adventure. So whether it's a giant in your personal life or the adventure of taking on the giants in our world, this story shows us how to kill a giant. And the first thing is we got to attack the giant rather than get paralyzed with hopelessness. The story says that Goliath was nine feet tall. And in the part that we didn't read, it also describes that he has this uh, spear made of iron, which was very intimidating to the Israelites since they were still in the Bronze Age and didn't know how to smelt iron. And so the text says for 40 days the Israeli army was just paralyzed with fear. They don't even attack. Goliath is winning this thing without ever throwing a single spear. And that's a lot of times how our giants work. Whatever that problem is in your life that you're facing. 
A lot of times our giants win the battle without ever firing a single shot. They just paralyze us with fear and hopelessness. We start to think things like, my marriage can't be fixed. It's too late. Not true. I know dozens that have been healed. Or we think, I can't find adventure in this dead-end job or thrive in spite of my health challenges. There's nothing we can do about poverty in our world or at-risk kids. All not true. But those lies can paralyze us with hopelessness, just like the Israelites. And that's what I love about David in this story. You know, he's probably 19, 20 years old at this point, and he is not buying the older generation's fears about Goliath. And he says one of my favorite lines in Scripture. I've quoted it to you before. It's just a great... Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I mean, is that a great line or what? I mean, that's brave, heart, right? You can take everything from us, but you cannot take our freedom, right? It's just a great line. And then he goes in for the attack. I know a man who promised to take his daughters to the Olympics. This was back when they were in Los Angeles. And at the time, his daughters were only three years old and five, and they were both into swimming and gymnastics, so they were super excited about the Olympics. And then one day, his wife said to him, um, we got a problem. I just overheard the girls talking, and they think we're going to L.A. so that they can be in the Olympics. <laughs> so he had to explain to his daughters that they were going to go there to, to watch the Olympics and not be in them. And his five-year-old daughter said, you mean we're going all that way just to watch other people have fun? That's stupid. So then he explained that only the very best athletes in the whole world were able to compete in the Olympics. And she looked at him and she said, so? What a great attitude, right? She is ready at five to take on the best athletes in the world. That's the right attitude. Attack the giant. Now, not that we do so carelessly or foolishly or take stupid risks or whatever it is. David knows what he's doing here. Earlier in the story, he explains to the king that as a shepherd, he's had to take on lions and bears with his slingshot over and over again. He knows what he's doing. But more importantly, he's not intimidated because he doesn't compare himself to the size of the giant. He compares the size of the giant to God and realizes the giant is really actually pretty small. Is your giant winning simply by paralyzing you with fear and hopelessness? Attack. If it's a marriage problem, get to a counselor or a pastor. An addiction, find a recovery group. If you are a little bit bored with life, find your way of partnering with God in redeeming this world. we got tons of groups here, you know, to help out-risk kids or serve in the inner city or repair cars for folks who can't afford it or whatever. So you can be part of the adventure. You don't want to watch other people having fun. Attack. Second plan of battle. Use the skills God gave you not artificial support. At one point in the story that we didn't read, King Saul, trying to help David, gives David his armor to try to fight Goliath, right? But it's too big, and so David just kind of clunks around in it. There's a metaphor there. A lot of times when we face problems, what we do is we prop ourselves up with some kind of artificial support. We've got money problems, we try to hide it, or maybe bail ourselves out with credit card debt. If we're caught in a power struggle at work, we try to politic behind the scenes to get people on our side, which almost always turns out disastrously. Some people turn to alcohol or sex or entertainment to kind of prop themselves up, or the title on their business card, or the house they live in, or the schools their kids go to. All of them are artificial supports to make us feel stronger in front of the giant, but usually they just make things worse and get in the way. 
You know, David is a shepherd. He knows how to use a slingshot. That's what he's been trained how to do. But what you need to do in that moment is you need to be able to move quickly. Saul's armor is just weighing him down, which is what our artificial props usually do. You know, so often we think to ourselves, man, if only I were someone else. If I had so-and-so's personality, so-and-so's bank account, so-and-so's skills, man, then I could defeat that giant. If I were like so-and-so. Sort of like a story I heard about a man named Homer who finally worked up the courage to propose to his girlfriend. And he said, you know, Sue, I know I'm not wealthy like Tom and not handsome like Tom, not as educated as Tom, but I love you. And she responded, well, Homer, I love you too, but tell me more about this Tom. (laughs) Where are you wearing Saul's armor? Thinking it's going to help you defeat your giant rather than using what God has given you. You don't need those things because here's the truth. You plus Jesus, always the majority. It is always the majority. Which brings me to my last point. Act in confidence that God will win the battle. God will win the battle. Faith is acting as though what we say we believe is actually true. Faith is acting as if we really actually believe what we say we believe is real. Which is why in this story it says that David picks up five stones and then he runs, not walks, toward Goliath in confidence. And notice he takes five stones even though he needs one. Which means he's prepared to keep going at it over and over again if he needs to. You know, sometimes we'll try to kill a giant and if it doesn't work right away we just give up. But some problems like addictions or marriage issues sometimes take years to fix. But we can run toward those in confidence because we know that God is going to ultimately win that battle in either one of two ways. Either he's going to defeat the problem outright or he'll use the problem for some ultimate good in your life. And I think of so many of you, and I've told these stories so many times, but I think it's worth being reminded of them. So many of you who have gone through horrible things like, say, cancer and found an indestructible joy in the middle of it that not even cancer can take away, which means you are now invincible. Because nothing can get you down. Because God used it in your life. In this story, God both defeats Goliath and also uses the Goliath problem for good in David's life. Because if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, at this point, David has been designated the new king, but he doesn't look very kingly yet. He's still kind of young. Well, killing Goliath made him look a little more king-like. Heard a man tell a story not too long ago about his neighborhood that was terrorized by gang activity, a lot of drug-related violence, and the whole neighborhood was just paralyzed in fear of this gang. Well, this man and some members of his church decided that God was bigger than the gang. So they created what they called the Baptist Prayer Patrol. Now, normally when a gang hangs out on a corner, nobody goes to them. Everyone just kind of runs away, right? And once kids put on the gang colors, the only adults they ever talk to again are the cops. So this prayer patrol would do the unheard of. They'd stop their car, walk right up, and say to the gang members, hey, my name is Al, this here is Moses, that was his real name, which I just think is a fitting name, right, Moses? And we're the Baptist prayer patrol. How you doing? Is everything all right? Is your mom sick? Is your brother in jail? Can we pray for you? And then these prayer patrolmen would put their hands on the shoulders of these gang members and pray for them. Well, at first, the gangs kind of thought these folks were crazy. But over a couple of months, they began to trust these people, realized that they were being cared for by these people, started opening up, sharing their concerns. 
Now, this particular gang had called that neighborhood their headquarters for nearly 20 years, but after a little over a year of this prayer patrol, the gang members just one by one started peeling off of that gang and dispersed, and the gang disappeared. Now, when you live in a gang-infested neighborhood, that is a giant, especially when you are poor and you don't have access to power. But they refused to let that giant paralyze them with fear. Instead, they attacked the giant. Now, not with artificial weapons, but with the weapons of the Spirit, through prayer and through showing folks God's love, but not in a wimpy way, but doing it in a way that showed power and courage and confidence that God was going to win the battle. They did not wait for that gang to get smaller. They acted as if God was bigger. And that's how you kill a giant. Whether it's a giant in your personal life or the adventure God calls us to of killing the giants out there in our world in partnership with him. Don't compare yourself to the giant. You'll just feel small. Compare the giant to God and you'll realize that that giant is all hat and no cattle. There's a documentary movie called The Bear and it's about a bear cub whose mother dies, so it has almost no chance of survival. But this little cub gets adopted by this big male Kodiak bear who kind of protects him and teaches him everything that a bear needs to know. And throughout the movie, there's a mountain lion that is stalking this little bear cub. And eventually the mountain lion catches up with him, but this little bear cub refuses to back down. Watch what happens. I love that look. I got it, right? <laughs> I love that. As, as that camera backs out, you see that, and you see that giant bear in the background, you know what that little bear didn't know at the moment. That although he couldn't see him, he was never alone. He was always in his father's care. And so are we. And because of that, we can be brave. And that's what Christmas is about. God himself has invaded this planet in the person of Jesus, and he took on even death, and he defeated it. So what do we have to fear? And he stands behind us like that enormous daddy bear, and when our Goliaths bully and threaten and intimidate, Jesus stands there like that bear, and he roars, and he roars, and he roars, and he sends the giants running. So what are your giants? How may they be winning simply by paralyzing you with fear? And in what ways might you be wearing Saul's armor, leaning on artificial supports, thinking it's going to help and it's not? Will you instead attack that giant with whatever skills God has given you, uniquely to you, in confidence that God is going to win that battle? Because you see, it's not the size of the dog in the fight that matters. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And there is no giant that can defeat us. Because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And no weapon formed against me can remain. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So to paraphrase David, what is this flat-footed, unholy, uncircumcised Philistine of a problem that it should defy the armies of the living God? Because as Scripture says, if God is for us and oh how he is, that's what Christmas means. 
Well, then what can be against us? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, danger, or the sword? No. As Scripture says, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. And I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, present nor future, height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can ever sever us from the love we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what that means, folks, is that giant is going down. Merry Christmas. So Jesus, help us to attack the giants in our personal lives, the giants in your world with you in confidence that you are going to win the battle so that all the world knows that there is a God in this world who loves us. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.